Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Sportsbet Montana is powered by the Montana Lottery. Join in on the excitement for Sportsbet Montana by betting on your favorite sports and teams, both collegially and professionally. There are multiple ways to bet, including in-game, which gets you into the action live as the game unfolds, and parlay betting, where you could have a chance to win big. Sportsbet Montana is a secure and interactive way to win while watching your favorite sports. Bets can be placed securely on the mobile app while at an authorized Sportsbet Montana location or by using the Sportsbet Montana kiosk located at approved vendors. Montana bettors have wagered more than $28 million since Sportsbet Montana launched almost a year ago, and in that time, bettors have won more than $25 million. Sportsbet Montana's retail partners have more than $1.7 million in commission. Head on down to your authorized Sportsbet Montana locations and get in on the fun today. All of a sudden, every single sport in the world is going on all at the same time. It's been a year without any sort of normalcy, and now we got everything and then some back in order. And man, it's great to be in our business, and it's great to be a sports fan overall. So we got you covered today and each and every day right here on 1029 ESPN Missoula, statewide television, SWX Montana. It is Nuanas Now. Sean Rainey, sports director from SWX Montana's joining me, Coulter Nuanas. We do this each and every Wednesday together. I do this each and every Monday through Friday from 4 to 6 p.m. If you want to listen in anywhere besides on 1029 ESPN Missoula or on SWX Montana Television, all you got to do is go to our station website, 1029ESPN.com, click on the Listen Live tab, you'll find the stream, and you can listen to this show or ESPN Radio in general 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. Want to give us a call? Shoot us a text. 406-361-3688. That's 361-3688. You're going to want to remember that because we're going to do a little trivia a little later on. We're re-implementing, at least for uh, now, every once in a while, we're going to do some caller trivia. So you out there, the the wonderful sports fans that you are, we're going to take calls from you. I have trivia questions for you. Sean's going to be your lifeline, and uh, we'll give you a dozen wings to the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill. We do this each and every Wednesday. 
because it is a Wing It Wednesday. We're going to talk all sorts of stuff in the first hour. We're going to talk Fernando Tatis Jr. and his injury. I'm surprised Sean doesn't have tear stains all over his face still. We're going to talk a little bit of Grizz football. We're going to give you an update on the NCAA transfer portal and who is going where and who remains to be uh, to pick a destination. Talk NFL draft, particularly when it comes to the quarterbacks. A lot of movement. This could be a crazy first round. We actually, I mean, I think there's an outside chance we might actually just see quarterbacks take up the first four or five picks. So we'll get into that a little bit as well. Second hour, I caught up with Chris Fisk. He's the head coach for Central Washington. They play in Missoula against Montana on Saturday. So talked with him for the ESPN roundtable. And we'll have a little bumper on that. Sean and I will talk a lot about this game, both before and after that interview as well. And then, of course, it's Masters week, so we're going to talk Masters as well. But, Sean, I mean, this is crazy, the fact that we were sort of aimlessly wandering through the world of no sports or sort of partial sports forever. And now... It's Masters Week. The NCAA tournament just wrapped up. But then we also have Grizz football game on Saturday. The Bobcats are practicing football. But, oh, by the way, it's all of a sudden soccer season at the college level. The volleyball season in the Big Sky Conference just got wrapped up. So now all of a sudden we have every sport ever all at once. And, I mean, it's great. I know. It's hard to keep up. Somebody asked me, they actually, well, learning how to talk here. Um, That's why it's talk radio, man. It's all about experimentation. They asked me an NBA question, and I was like, I'm not going to lie. I haven't really paid any attention to the NBA over the last, like, since, like, the All-Star break. Like, I watched, the I watched break. Warriors Bucks last night just because it was on late and I got done writing. It was the first time I'd watched an NBA game in a couple months. Yeah, but it's like the last couple weeks have been, you know, NCAA tournament, baseball starting up, and, I'll, um, and now it's like I, I'll pay attention to the NBA probably in another, like, two weeks from now. Um, but yeah, I've got my. I'll kind of go like a month without really paying too much attention to the the NBA, and then locally, yeah. I mean, there's like you got softball, you got track, you got golf, you got a bunch of stuff, you know, going on, and nationally a bunch of stuff. Uh, you know, not gonna complain because uh, you know we certainly um, had our time of nothing, um, which was a lot tougher than this. But uh, no, it's great. There's a lot going on. It's crazy. It's kind of hard to keep up with everything, but it's awesome. Well, we were all texting, like, do we need to go to law school? Do I need to go become an accountant? Are we ever going to have sports again to cover? It seems like the longest and slowest year in the history of our lives all at once. But what's going on? I know last week you weren't able to come by because you were working on some feature stuff. So uh, what's cooking at SWX Montana? Anything you got you can tease? Well, I am, um, you know, it, it's funny because when stories that are um, so you know, big or important or just like, wow. And everybody hears about it. You know that like at a small market like this, everybody's going to kind of do some version of that story. Right. And the Grizz golf team is just, uh, had some adversity to say the least, um, with their program going back a few years. It's a, it's a golf team made up of only 10 people yet. Three of them have had either cancer or, a uh, non-cancerous tumor or things that have, you know, slowed their their play and things that as a student athlete in your young 20s, you just do not think that you would ever have to go through. Totally. And they've gone through it, you know, three times now. And so, you know, some of the other outlets have done stories on this. Um, We're kind of taking our time a little bit and going to make it as good as we possibly can. Because to me, when you get these kind of stories, I think a lot of times in, in our market and in this business, it's about, you know, pumping it out as fast as you can and getting it out first. Right. For sure. But I think with some of these, when it's such an amazing story, 
and it's such an important story to tell. I like to, you know, we have a couple, um, you know, photographers at our station. We're we're pretty much all a one man band. That's that's how it is in local media at this level. You are the camera person. You are the reporter. You do everything. But when there's certain special ones that come around. Sometimes we get extra help from some of our uh, production people. And so I, I enlisted the help of my buddy Joe. He went and helped shoot it with me. And, you know, we, we've worked on a lot of things that have, you know, won some awards and things like that. So looking very, uh, you know, looking forward to, you know, putting that one together and having that one come out. But obviously in the immediate future, we're bringing you Grizz football on SWX, um, on technically on ABC um, in, in this area, on SWX in the Billings market. But just uh, to bring live football back to the state, um, it still hasn't. I know we've been like doing our research and we've been talking about it and it's game week. But to me, it still hasn't really sunk in yet just because the weather's getting really nice and it's spring. And I, I, I don't know if it'll hit me until I see the other team and the Grizz in uniform on the field and, it, and it's kickoff. But super excited to uh, to bring that game on SWX. One thing I forgot to mention, we'll do that here just about the end of this first segment here, so we're here in about 20 minutes. If, you already, if you've been following it, you already know that you won, but we will announce the winners of our bracket challenge. Top three placers for the NCAA tournament uh, will get a bunch of great prizes. The grand prize, a $500 prize, including $400 of cash and $100 in gift cards from Paradise Falls. And we also have a second place prize of $100 in gift cards from various sponsors and a third place prize of 75 bucks too. So we'll get you that here in, I don't know, about 20 minutes. But congratulations to everybody. Great work. A couple of the top brackets in our ESPN Missoula group were like in the 98th, 99th percentile. So among like the top 1,000 brackets in the country. So good job out there, Missoula. We know our college hoops for sure. Yeah, in our uh, SWX Montana one, of course, you know, I – Basically, I cover college basketball for a living, not on the national scale, sure. but still, you know, and I'm watching games all the time, you know, just thousands and thousands of minutes spent during the season watching college basketball and knowing about it. And uh, my wife fills out a bracket, hadn't watched a single minute of, of college hoops, and, and she won our uh, bracket challenge. So, hey, you know what? The money is still staying in the in the rainy household. So, congrats to my wife for winning our our work bracket. But uh, yeah, that that's it's always something because I always get beat in these in these stupid brackets, and people <laughs> love it because they love beating the sports guy. It makes them feel smart. I was like, it, there's no smartness when it comes to filling out a bracket. It's just 100. You know, percent This is why this is like when people revel in beating me in fantasy football. It's like, well. First of all, I suck at fantasy football. <laughs> Second of all, he wouldn't say Quan Barkley is my number two pick, and then he blows out his knee. It's like it's not my fault, man. This is how it goes. Nuana is now one of two ninety ESPN Missoula SWX Montana Television. We're going to get more into the Grizz games because uh, I do want to talk about the depth chart that came out yesterday. That'll be yeah. interesting. We'll do that on the front and back end of the top of the hour for the ESPN Roundtable. But I want to give you a little update on college hoops here because the NCAA transfer portal has been going crazy uh, at the Big Sky Conference level and as of yesterday 40 count them 40 entries from men's basketball into the transfer portal just since the end of the Big Sky Conference tournament so if you're doing the math that's fully one quarter of the scholarship players in the league into the portal over the last less than a month the biggest news yesterday twofold I thought were one, Michael Stedman, who actually is not part of that 40-player uh, statistic because he actually left the Grizz basketball team in uh, mid-February. He has picked a destination. He is going to UMass. 
So I thought that was a interesting, totally random yeah. uh, landing spot. <laughs> and uh, the other big one is Kim Aiken landed at Arizona. And you have to wonder what Kim Aiken is thinking today. Uh, Eastern Washington star forward who was the Big State Conference Defensive Player of the Year this last year. Aiken lands at Arizona. He makes his announcement uh, yesterday, and then Sean Miller gets fired today. So you have to wonder if he's having regrets. But either way, first of all, Randy, your impression on Stedman to UMass, I thought that was uh, yeah, totally I, random. Yeah, I mean, if you would have given me, uh, what, 200 guesses, I, I don't know if I would have picked UMass. Um, if you would have given me 200 tries of where he was going to end up, you'd probably start, you know, obviously on the West Coast. But, um, I mean... Sure, whatever, whatever. I mean, whatever works for him, I guess. Like, I, it's just, you know, I. It's so funny when he initially left, and this is what happens when all of these guys initially leave. Like, even if they get like a phone call that's not an actual offer, they're gonna put it up there with all the other schools. Like, all these bigger schools are are interested in them just to kind of show off, like. Like he was like, you know, San Diego State is off interested in me, blah blah blah. Sure. It's like there was no chance. Like, I have a good chance to go to San Diego State. <laughs> see no, and no offense I to Michael know, Stedman, but know, it's like, there's no way that you are going to San Diego State. You know, like, there, for sure. You know, it's just. I ran into him one time. And he showed me a text he had gotten from a Gonzaga assistant, and I was like, okay, well, but like. There's no way. There's no way. Um, and, yeah, so, and, 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 and I think that that's where it falls short, too, though, because I think that. Maybe, 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 maybe you could be a, a guy on San Diego State's roster. You know, maybe they bring you in as a graduate transfer to be their thirteenth or fourteenth guy. But if you're doing that, if you're if you're purely doing, if you're purely making a college choice for your last year of college, well, that's basketball, not what you want to sign up for. Exactly. Yeah. If, if you're doing it just so you can tweet that you're going to San Diego State or Gonzaga or whatever, and then you go there and you literally do not play. Then I question your your mentality as a competitor. This is not about Michael Stebb. I just mean in general. If you're doing it for the retweets of your commitment, and you're going to go sit your butt on the bench, I just think that that's I just think that's stupid. Like you well, should go go somewhere you, where you can play. And that's why I think like Kim Aiken to Arizona is so interesting because, I mean, that's a huge step up, and for he sure. can end up going there and playing five minutes a game. I, that's what I thought you know, too. So it's like it, at this level, like when you're really good and you're transferring up, like that's why I'm so curious to see where Tanner Groves goes because. Right. You could go to the the biggest eye candy, the biggest like ooh, I might be playing in the final four. Well, your team might be playing in the final four sure. while you ride the bench because you're you're making such a step up that you're not going to play that much. Gino Crandall is one of the great examples of exactly. this. Gino Crandall yes. from North Dakota, yes. he was a first team all league player in the Big Sky two years in a row. He was a great contributor when North Dakota went to the tournament. Then he graduate transfers to Gonzaga, and he he did play. I mean, he was like a fifteen to eighteen minutes per game guy. He's like the second or third guy off the bench. He got run though, and that, and I think that's kind of a, a good. I mean, that's the worst case scenario for what you want your last year to be. You at least want to play at least a little bit. But then remember Carson Shanks, the big guy yep. from North Dakota. Yep. He went to Loyola Chicago, and he was on that Final Four team, but he didn't play at all. So yeah. then it just I just wonder, you know, if you have even more regrets if you go somewhere where, where you just you just literally don't play. Let's talk about some of the other uh, movements. So, uh, of those 40 guys, there's been some guys that are of pretty big-time consequence in the league, including Cam Shelton from Northern Arizona, who was the leading scorer in the league. He has now landed at Loyola Marymount. Luke Adolovich from uh, from Northern Arizona as well. He has now landed at Pacific. 
Michael Meadows and Tyler Robertson, two of the better players from Eastern Washington. They will reunite with Shante Leggins, former Eastern Washington head coach in Portland at the University of Portland. Jacob Davidson, who is the preseason MVP of the Big Sky Conference and an all-conference player before he had that hip injury that kind of slowed him down this last year. He's going to Cal Poly. He's from uh, Long Beach, so he, that's close to home. Um, actually saw his family at the NCAA tournament. They were up from Southern California, so um, I'm sure they're happy to have him home. Mike Hood from Montana State, one of the better reserve guards in the Big Sky. He's going to Coppin State, a MEAC school uh, out east. Caleb Belich, a former Bobcat, he's going to Montana Tech. I actually think that's a great fit. I think that that's exactly the level he should 100%. be at. Uh, Jesse Owens from Montana State. Uh, you wonder, I mean... He's obviously chasing his passion. He told me how much more he liked basketball than football when he was first coming out of high school. And But it's it's too bad on one hand because he was a great player for the Grizz. They loved him. They thought he was awesome. They thought he could contribute at wide receiver. He obviously His heart just obviously wasn't in it because he went to Montana State, didn't play hardly at all this last year. Now he's on his way uh, to Rocky Mountain College. So um, let's start. Well, and then, and then the, of course, the, the the news here, which we actually haven't really touched on on this show yet, so I'm kind of behind the eight ball. Apologize to everybody out there because we've known this, and, and it's been on Twitter and stuff like that. We just haven't talked about it. But Scott Blakeney, who was uh, pretty solid center for University of Idaho, he's a graduate transfer, and he will play his last year at Montana. So he transfers within the league. So let's start with Blakeney because I actually think that you know, it's funny because Stedman on his way out, Blakeney on his way in. You look at their numbers. They both average about 10 points per game. Stedman was about five and a half, six rebounds a game. Blakeney was maybe a rebound more than that. The numbers look pretty similar, but it seems like Blakeney is a much better fit for what Montana wants to do. I said to you that right when he entered the portal, I was like, that is the exact player that Montana needs. Just a guy who is big and strong and can hold his own defensively in the post and someone that doesn't need to have the offense like run through him offensively and could just get some offensive rebounds. You could dump it down to him every now and then, but he's he's fine with not having to be like the scorer because the guards for this team are going to be how this team runs offensively. You know, it's going to be mm-hmm. running through the guards and defensively. Montana just needed somebody that wasn't going to get pushed around and someone that could actually just stand their ground in the post and not foul out in two seconds. And so I, I thought I think this is a perfect fit for uh, Scott Blakeney and for Montana. I totally agree. It's interesting though the system. <laughs> this is the this one the one of the most perplexing parts about Grizz basketball under Travis DeKeer because Montana, broadly, not specifically, because there's always new folds and new sets, new actions you're going to run, but broadly, the offensive system has been largely Inside the out. same for 40 years. Yeah. I mean, they're basically running the Mike Montgomery, Stu Morrill, high-low, and and the thing that's been sort of missing, except for for a brief moment in time, Jamar Co filled the role for uh, actually a large portion of time. Said Pridget, despite only being six foot four, six foot five, filled the role, but they've had dominant post scores, whether it's Larry Kostowiak or Wayne Tickle or all the way through, you know, Sean Samuelson and all the great guys in the 90s. But I think it's interesting, though, because what you're saying is exactly right. They play inside out, but that doesn't necessarily mean the inside guy needs to be their primary scorer if he's really talented like a Kostowiak or like a Jamar Coe or, you know, like an Andrew Strait. They can be the primary scorer, but also they can be the guy that just they just need they need a guy who can hold his position on the block to get a post touch to make the offense work, well, right? Exactly, because Blakeney is big enough where now you have to use your biggest guy to guard Blakeney. And so now Kyle Owens and some of their other guys, um, I'm blanking on names right now, Josh Bannon, like sure. Kyle Owens, Josh Bannon, those guys 
are in the post, not against the center of the other team. Exactly. Not against the four. If you have both of those guys on the floor, if you have Bannon at the three, well, you have a 6'9 Bannon up against the other team's three. So, mm-hmm. you, bam, you have a huge size advantage. Same there. with Kyle on 6'8". Yes, because... Yeah. Blakeney, you ha- he is good enough where you have to guard him, so you can't put For somebody sure. smaller on him. So it's it more, just, more importantly, it's just a trickle down effect. More importantly than just being good enough, he's he's big and strong enough. Exactly, yeah. and, and that's what I'm getting at is that Stedman, because he lost so much weight, he became this sort of pick and pop type stretch five almost. But he he would get a couple buckets in the paint, but he was more inclined to catch the ball in the high post, and he didn't want to work off the block. And again, I don't think that Blakeney's going to go out and, and be some 20-point-per-game guy, but I do think he can get you 10 to 12 a game. And obviously, honestly, he could have a, a higher scoring a clip by playing within the offense rather than having the offense be primarily, he'd be the primary option. And I think that some of the frustrations that all of us saw and expressed in, in just the stuck-in-the-mud nature of the Grizz offensive system this year was the fact that they really didn't just have the guy where they could just throw the ball in and then it would come back out. I mean, that's the brilliance of the whole system. That's where a guy like Fabian Krizlovic was good too, right? He doesn't need to score down there. He can just catch it down there, hold his position, everybody can cut off of him, and it makes the offenses flow so much more smoothly. Yeah, and I, I just think on the defensive end, it's going to be where the, the biggest impact is just because just having somebody, like I said, that can... You know, give you. He's not going to you know slow down a, a Tanner Groves and and completely stop a guy like that, but he can slow him down. You know, and so like just having a, a big guy that can just guard the other big is, is just going to be massive for this team. I wanted to ask you um, about, some about these other transfers. I, I think that one thing that we're seeing is, I think in Montana sometimes these college kids like they want to go D one, and so they kind of view the frontier as kind of like. Oh man, it's just not as like impressive. It's not as prideful. If I go to the frontier out of high school, I got to make it D one. Like that's cooler. That's better. That shows that I, I made it bigger places. I've talked to so many kids that are like on that. They're like that tweener of I could be um, like a star or really good in the frontier, or I can be like a bench, maybe not even play guy in the big sky. And which one do you would you rather do? And I swear, every kid that I talk to that ends up going to the frontier and playing really well, like they enjoy it. And I think sure. that I think that Belich and like a Jesse Owens, like I, I think that you know that's that's where they belonged all along. And I, I think that they will you know have good careers there and and really enjoy you know their time there. Because I mean, you see guys like well, the frontier is really good basketball. It man. is. I mean, like, you see the top three teams of the frontier going the national tournament every year. Sometimes even four teams. And like Darko Kelly is like a, a perfect example of like a kid that just uh, you know I mean he was a little bit smaller coming out of high school. He put on some weight and got a lot stronger, but like and grew a little bit. Too, yeah, but you, like you taller. go to the you can go to the frontier and just become a star. And it, it, it's cool to see and a lot of these kids that I talked to like just really enjoy their time at, at a lot of these you know frontier schools so it's cool to see them Cam Shelton Loyal Marymount I thought was kind of interesting I thought he could have gone somewhere a little bit more intriguing I guess for sure more pizzazz I don't know yeah yeah for sure I I, I think it is interesting that the West Coast Conference is stealing recruits from the big sky because I think it just shows the gap that currently exists it is Nuanas now 1029 ESPN Missoula statewide television SWX Montana TV Sean Rainey from SWX Montana, joining me, Coulter Nuanas. We do this each and every Wednesday. Talking NCAA men's transfer portal, specifically guys out of the big sky. Two points. One, uh, on your on the guys from the frontier, I think it shows the delicate balance of recruiting, but also shows the way that player development can work or sometimes doesn't work, too. Because on, on some areas, I do think it's 
you know, you have a guy like Caleb Belich who was a, a Class C legend. I mean, he played in three straight Class C championship games, some of the great rivalries we've seen in the last 10 years, uh, Manhattan Christian versus R. Lee. He's a local guy. It's a you know it's a he he has the frame I mean at least he's got the height and length to play Division One, but he probably was a frontier fit all along. But then all sometimes you also got guys like Jared Samuelson who is better than the frontier. He should have just stayed in D one the whole time. I, I know that was a huge portion of his development, but I remember Andy Garland from uh, 10, 15 years ago from Missoula Sentinel. I mean Andy Garland was like multiple time Gatorade Player of the Year. He's a six foot five post. He never got a shot at D1. Then he went and was like an NAIA All-American three years in a row. He's Frontier Conference Player of the Year two years in a row. So it's sort of a toss-up, right? And sometimes it's a personality thing, too. Like, some people just really love challenging themselves and playing with players that are better than them. Sure. To make them better. And and this isn't like necessarily like a complete knock. And some players just... They kind of like to be just the better player and not have to. I'm trying. I don't know how to necessarily word it. Like they don't have to put in the extra effort and the sure. extra work. Not that it's like, and that sounds like a bad thing, but it's not. I don't really intend it to be that way necessarily. Sure. sure. Um, like Jamie Pickens, for instance. Like, right. She is obviously talented and good enough to play at the D1 level and in the Big Sky and really good. She kind of wanted to go to Carroll and. And dominate there. Be close to home. Play yeah, the and there's nothing wrong with that, nothing you know. But like, but to me, like her personality, she just kind of struck me as like she's just more comfortable at the frontier level than at the the big sky level. And that's not that doesn't that's not a knock. It's just sure. it's just some people have different kind of personalities competitive wise. I always thought too. It kind of depends on what sort of player are you. Uh, Belich is a guy that when he needs the ball in his hands because he needs to score. And will, will he ever be able to do that? At the D1 level, I don't know. He'll definitely be able to do it at the Frontier level. Whereas then there's some guys like, I always think about Sam Bagley, for example. He was a great scorer at Missoula Sentinel, but he also absolutely could have probably evolved into like a spot shooter at the Division One level. Like we're, Alex Drummer's a great example of what, what does he do at Montana State? Because I think initially he's going to be asked to fill a role as more of a floor spacer and kind of a, a cog in the defensive wheel. If he buys into it, though, he has a chance then to play early and play often, and but then also maybe develop into that guy who's a, a prime yeah. scorer down See, the road. I think he's going to be really good because of too. his size. I think coming from Montana, if you're a kid and you're a guard, it's just it's so tough to play guard at the D1 level. Um, sure. Just because the, the the length, the athleticism, the speed, the quickness. Like Sam Bagley is a uh, you know, great shooter and awesome in the clutch and everything like that. But I don't know. He doesn't have like the, the quickness and the size to be you know, a For guard sure. at the D1 level. Can, can you hang defensively? Yeah. And, I, and, and you know, Belich is, is super athletic and bouncy and things like that. But he's still just not, you know, he's just not, you know, the... Uh, uh, well, Michael Ogine and Ahmad Roar, like those guys, like when you're looking at just, you know, at the athleticism and, you, you know, you're talking about John Knight and some of these guys that you see at the big sky, like it's just, a, it's just, you know, it's hard to have that athleticism and that quickness at the big sky level at the guard position. You can get away with it like a Jared Samuelson when you're bigger, you know, but at the guard spot, it's, it's just tough. Well, tonight ESPN Missoula, it's Nuanez now. Your favorite daily sports talk show, Sean Rainey from SWX Montana, joining me, Coulter Nuanas. All right, Rainey, first of all, what did you think of the men's championship game on Monday night? I thought it was a dud. I mean, congratulations to Baylor. They they ripped Gonzaga, but uh, it was a 9 nothing lead, and Gonzaga never got any clear. literally never got closer than nine points the whole rest of the game. Yeah, and I, I liked Baylor coming into that one. Um, 
I was telling Ben Wyman, our anchor, like before the game, I was like, man, I, I think I'm feeling Baylor in this one. And they just, they played harder and they were tougher and stronger. Like that was just like, it's not very often where you could just like watch a basketball game and you're like, wow, one team is just like way stronger, way stronger than the other team. And it was just like, they were just knocking well, them off the spot just, the whole time. And, and, and it was like, grown men playing against little boys. Yeah. And usually like. When you say stronger and physical, you think kind of like down low and just like imposing your will. Mm-hmm. But it was like at the guard spot. Oh. Like Davion Mitchell, like is just he was just like punking dudes. Like yeah, Mitchell and, and Butler both. I mean, they would just get in the lanes when Gonzaga would try to drive, and the Gonzaga guy on offense would be bouncing off. Yeah, the defensive and I think guy. that can be an issue for Gonzaga. Like you know, because when you're playing in the West Coast Conference, like you just don't see that level of physicality and strength. Night in and night out. And yes, they played some big schools in the non-conference, but like Iowa is not known for that. I mean, Kansas has, you know, dudes for sure, but they weren't, you know, nearly as talented as Kansas normally is this year. And obviously they were supposed to play Baylor early on. And it was funny because I think initially we're like, oh, it's it's kind of cool that they ended up not playing in the regular season because you get them for the first time in the championship game. But I think it would have helped Gonzaga if they would have been able to play them because they would have been able to understand the level of defense and the physicality and strength that Baylor has and been able because, I mean, they just got punched in the mouth early, and I don't think that they were a, ever able to recover. And especially it seemed like Gonzaga, like, they play with so much kind of swag, and they're used to being the bullies. And so when you when the bully gets kind of beat for the first time, it's really hard to, to make that comeback mentally, you know, and I think that they, they really struggle with that. We did a big bracket challenge. We had over 150 entries. Bracket challenge was presented by Paradise Falls of Missoula. So thanks so much for Paradise Falls for sponsoring it. Uh, really fun time to compete with each and every one of you. All of us media guys that entered didn't do anything. We were nowhere close to being <laughs> in the mix. I don't think any. I don't think Riley or you or me finished in the top 50. I don't think Brooks, my brother, did either. Uh, so we were we were definitely out of the money, even though we couldn't win the money. We were out of the money all the way. But um, I'm sorry for not being able to say specific names here because ESPN it only shows your username. Name, not your specific name, but SPU Tennis 1987. They had a percentage ranking of the, for their bracket of 100. Uh, they wow. had three out of the four final four teams. They picked Gonzaga, Houston, and Baylor, and they had Baylor over Gonzaga. What in is the an national. SPU? Uh, I'm thinking Seattle Pacific, maybe. Okay, yeah, or like St. Paul or yeah, so, something. Yeah, so, so somebody that played. That played tennis in 19... What was it? 1987. Someone that... Yeah, year so. of my birth. <laughs> so, congratulations to SPU Tennis 1987. I'm going to figure out a way to click on your username enough times that I can send you an email. Uh, we'll figure out a way to either get you to swing by the station to pick up your prize uh, or... We'll, uh, we'll have it sent out in the mail for you. But you are the proud winner of a uh, $400 cash prize plus $100 worth of gift cards. Thanks in part to Paradise Falls. Other great sponsors that are thrown in on the uh, the gift cards. Dobie's Teriyaki, Taglieri Deli, uh, as well as the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill and the Iron Grizz American Bistro. So thanks to all those other sponsors for participating. The other two gift card packages... Zach Attack 020408. They also had Baylor in the national championship and beating Gonzaga. So they are the number two. And then R Dodge 13. You are the third place winner. So congratulations to all three of those. And thanks to everybody for participating. It was a great tournament, a great March Madness, and uh, we were happy to host the bracket challenge. So thanks so much also to Paradise Falls for being our awesome sponsor. We're talking some NFL on the other side. The draft is going to be crazy. Will we see quarterbacks? 
drafted pretty much every one of the top picks. It looks like it's trending that way. And who are the Patriots going to go get? Looks like they're in the market for a quarterback as well. It's Nuanas Now, 102.90 ESPN Missoula, back after this. Blackfoot Communications is actively supporting the communities we serve across Montana and Idaho. We are installing hundreds of miles of fiber in our service territories, increasing the broadband experience in our rural communities. We are delivering remote workforce solutions for our business communities. We are creating new, innovative solutions for our local entrepreneurs and enterprise organizations. Learn how your company can benefit. Call today at 541-5000 or go to blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot Communications. Connect to more. So Montana. Happy Wednesday. Hope you're having a phenomenal day. Hope you're having a great week. And thanks so much for tuning in to Nuanas Now, your one-stop shop for all things sports across the Treasure State each and every weekday from 4 to 6 p.m. right here on 102.9 ESPN Missoula, as well as statewide SWX Montana Television. Sean Rainey from SWX Montana joining me, Coulter Nuanas. We do this each Wednesday together. Talking a little NFL now. So, Sean, Sam Darnold has been traded the Carolina Panthers. That is the latest domino is in what is lining up to be a pretty crazy first five to ten picks in the NFL draft. I think that there's at least four quarterbacks with first round grades in this uh, NFL draft. I think that everybody has a consensus that Urban Meyer and the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to take Trevor Lawrence number one. But now with the Jets trading Sam Darnold, that opens up uh, that pretty much solidifies they're going to take a quarterback at number two. We also saw the San Francisco 49ers trade up to number three. And so I think that indicates that they want to take a quarterback. We've also seen the Atlanta Falcons say that they will are willing to at least consider trade offers for the number four pick. And then today the New England Patriots started floating that they might want to move up to pick Justin Fields out of Ohio State. So basically the way that this is sort of speculating right now is that the New York Jets seem to be leaning toward Zach Wilson from BYU and the San Francisco 49ers seem to be leaning towards Mac Jones of Alabama. I just think this whole order is very strange. I don't really know what I think of Zach Wilson. I think that's a crazy reach at number two. Is he even better than Sam Darnold? I don't have no idea. But what what are your thoughts on the way that this carousel is uh, continuing to spin? I think Zach Wilson's a lock at two. Do you think that that's a correct decision, though? Um, I mean, I, I would take him. I like him the second best. What what about him do you like? I guess I haven't seen them enough. I watched them blow the doors off of somebody in the non-conference, like 45 nothing. but I have, I don't really, I have no real thought on Zach Wilson other than he played behind a dominant offensive line. And uh, he to me, the reason I'm skeptical of Zach Wilson is every year we see this guy who was sort of a no-namer coming mm-hmm. into the year, and then... They blow up because, like you always say, everybody has a great pro day. You know, he seems to fit the prototype. But I just wonder, like, is he the next Mr. Trubisky? Is he the next Jamarcus Russell? Is he the next guy that uh, didn't really have any hype going into his year and then and really just didn't have any real film until all of a sudden they exploded and becomes a top ten pick? Yeah, I mean, but you could say that about any, uh, besides Justin Fields, who was you know top rated guy out of high school and performed really well in college. Like Mac Jones is pretty under the radar. 
Until, he is. Until, his, until he kind of like excelled in college. Like but I, waiting your turn behind Jalen Hurts and Tua Tagovailoa is different than waiting your turn behind no one at a non-Power 5 school. Yeah, but he also like, he wasn't very good when he first started. Like he... Who? Mac Jones? Yeah. Like he was just kind of okay. And then he like really took a jump forward. I mean, when you're throwing to all those weapons and... It's true. Handing the ball off to those weapons. I don't know. I, I like Zach Wilson, number two. Um, and I think he just... I think he's got the arm talent and the mobility where I think he just he might have a little bit higher upside. But I'm not buying this Mac Jones to the Niners thing. You're not. I'm not. I think they're taking Fields. You do? Yeah, I'm not buying it. So that would make me very happy because I think that Fields is better than these guys. I just don't understand this, okay? I don't understand this about the draft process. And it drives me crazy, okay? (laughs) If we would have held the draft the day after the season, Mm -hmm. it was... It was Justin Fields all day as the second quarterback off the board. Right. What has changed since the end of the season? The, nothing. Is, nothing has changed. See, the, Why do we do dude, this and, and then, every year? This, and this goes back to my point where we've reached this crazy point in scouting evaluation where actually it used to be. It's insane. Scouts wanted the most film they possibly could. Now, more film hurts you. More film hurt Deshaun Watson. More film hurt Justin Herbert. They obviously still were top 10, top 12 picks. But we saw this happen with Herbert. From the very first day I saw Herbert live and in person against the Grizzlies in Eugene, Oregon, I said to myself, that guy's a, uh, that guy's a stud. He's a top five pick. I know he went sixth because of the way it all worked out, but he still was drafted behind multiple players. And, he, I mean, he was dra- he was in the conversation with a guy in Tuatagavailoa who was completely hurt and damaged goods, yet it was still a debate when – in reality, it should have not been a debate. You saw the same thing with Deshaun Watson. He falls. He is drafted after Trubisky. I mean, I just think that that kind of stuff, I think that sometimes we overanalyze it. It seems like if, 110%. A, if a guy starts 50 games in college, it's like, oh, well, we have 50 games where he can pick him apart, so he's not going to go in the top 10 anymore. And it just seems so ironic and different than it used to be. And I think the farther you get from like watching them play in a game, the more you talk yourself into it. And the more you kind of forget about either like the struggles that they have when they are actually on the field and you look at like the high upside of like, oh my gosh, he can run this and jump this because you're more removed from the fact that like, oh, but he has like bad instincts and isn't in the right spot a lot of times. It gets like lost, like, you know, is sucker for double moves all the time if he's a corner or something like that. Like, I don't, I, I just, I think it's crazy. I, I, I think that if the draft was held the day after the college season, I think teams would draft so much better than they do right now. I think they just overanalyze it and talk themselves into terrible picks. Like Mitch Trubisky is not going as the second quarterback off the board if the draft was held the day after the season. And you just like start getting enamored with these guys and you interview them. And yeah, of course, a lot of these guys are going to interview well and like do this and that. But like they're still, they're not that good. And like they, they put it on like, on film in college and like I don't know I just uh, I'm not buying this Justin Fields slipping stuff like I, I think he, I think because to me the Niners like I don't know why would you make that huge move up when you could have just gone up like a couple spots to get Mac Jones like I don't Mac think Jones probably would have fallen to you even outside the top 10 likely yeah it? you could have maybe got him there so like to me if you're going to give up all of that to move up that far why wouldn't if you really wanted Mac Jones I don't think anybody else is taking Mac Jones at three or four. So you could have waited and given up less and moved up during the draft to get Mac Jones. 
So to me, if you're going to give up that much, I think it's to get Justin Fields and this whole Mac Jones. It's just all a smokescreen. Like, and that's something that we have to realize with all of these teams when it comes to the draft. Like, all of them are going to shove out to the media the exact opposite of what they're actually going to do. Like, why would anybody like? Why, why is all this Mac Jones stuff coming out right after they make the trade? Well, I, because they're sending out all of these little things. Like That's what they want the reporters to talk about. That's a great point. Nuana is now 1029 ESPN Missoula, SWX Montana Television around the great state of Montana. Here's, here's where I'm at with what you just said, though. I've thought this is for a long time as someone that likes to do uh, quote-unquote investigative journalism, that likes to uh, probe organizations for leaks, to cover coaching searches, to find where the leaks are coming from. And I said this all the time with the Los Angeles Lakers when they were in that half-dozen-year span where they were a complete disaster. They went from, you know, the, the the prestigious, you know, almost unbreakable organization in the in the NBA to then this train wreck to then now being back to being solid. And I've always said this. The strength of your organization or lack thereof can be fully indicated in the amount of leaks you have coming from your organization. If you got a bunch of people within your organization that want to tell reporters things about the inner workings of your organization, it's because they don't they don't respect the hierarchy of respect within that organization. I think the San Francisco, San Francisco 49ers are one of the most solid organizations in the National Football League. So therefore, then, I totally believe what you're saying. It's a smokescreen. They're leaking information to deter and, and bounce people off. I also think, though, that there's some organizations, like the New York Jets, for example, that aren't good, that do have leaks, that... If it is, I think it's, it's more linear, right? Like, if people are leaking that they want Zach Wilson, it's because they do want Zach Wilson, because they don't have the organizational strength uh, to, well, to, to really to, to, to control the message. But it's also like they're at number two, and they know that they get to decide who they pick anyway. So it's sure. not like a... Um, it's not a, a strategic disadvantage sure. for them to leak out that they want Wilson. Like, why would the Niners... Like, the Niners can leak out, like whatever they want because you don't know which way they're going to go at three. So there is an advantage to being completely unknown in that situation. Like the Patriots are another team that like don't ever have leaks. So why are we all of a sudden hearing this, like going up for fields? They really like Justin Fields. Like I'm just not buying it. Like I see Mac Jones going to the Patriots. Like I I see them trading up for a Mac Jones type guy. I, I just, I think that the Niners are going to take Justin Fields. I think he would fit in with that offense. Like, imagine them being able to do, like, run their offense in their run scheme with the quarterback being able to run the football. Mm-hmm. It's true. And be accurate passing. What like, about Trey Lance then at that spot? I just think you go Justin Fields. A uh, text from one of our uh, loyal listeners. He, he His feedback is that Justin Fields really struggled this last year when he didn't have a clean pocket. I, I do think that's a valid criticism of Justin Fields. But I also think this is where... Well, the Niners scheme up clean pockets all That's the time. right. And this is where I think that the, the personnel that plays around you, I think, is also one thing that's very underrated. The system you run in college, for better or worse, is also underrated. I always thought, like, Justin Herbert... His best ability as an NFL quarterback is his ability to extend the pocket, to use his size, size speed, and strength to make plays improvisationally, to to have improv plays in or in Oregon's offense because it's this super slick spread. He hardly ever had to break the pocket and throw rolling out to the right on the run because he just had a checkdown built in. It was one, two, three. Go. That's it. And so he didn't ever have to show his greatest skills. So I thought that was an underrated portion of him. We look at Zach Wilson. 
you watch the BYU film twofold. One, he's played in the Mountain West, so it's not as high level of competition, but also BYU had one of the best offensive lines in the country. His pockets were as clean as anybody. That's advantageous for him, but also he's not going to have pockets like that in the NFL. So how do you project that? On the other side of that, though, yes, Justin Fields did kind of struggle when he didn't have clean pockets, but he's also playing in a much higher level of competition. That's the other thing is we got to see Justin Fields on full display in the college football playoff against the best, the most NFL-like teams in the country. And regardless of how he performed, I mean, I thought he showed good toughness. I thought, I mean, he he was good in those situations. So uh, I, I just, I think that he's a little bit underrated. That's the hardest part about Trey Lance, right, is he only has 17 games of film, including none against FBS opponents. So while he looks like the greatest athlete on the field, every piece of film you can watch, we don't really know because he's never really performed in that under that. See, and I'm not even super high on Justin Fields. Like that's the thing. Like really? I because I, I am. See, I'm not. But I just think that that's who they're going to get. I just don't think you give up that much to get Mac Jones, who bef- when right when the season ended was going to be the the fifth quarterback off the board. I just don't. I just don't. I'm not believing it. I don't see it. Well, the other thing is you hear this all the time when people are kind of talking tongue in cheek, but they they'll say things like, "Well, you know." Back when the Cleveland Browns didn't win a game for two years. The Cleveland Browns are so bad, they get beat by Alabama. No, that's not true. The Alabama would lose to the Cleveland Browns, even in their defeated season, by 21 to 28 points. Because guess what? The Cleveland Browns have 53 NFL players. Alabama has like 10. But the one argument you can make, though, is that if Mac Jones is a top 10 pick, and the Niners are not a good example because they do have great personnel offensively, but there is a validity to the statement where you could say, if Mac Jones went and played for, say, uh, the Detroit Lions or even the Miami Dolphins, the skill players, not not the full offensive unit, but the skill players, are a downgrade from the skill players he had because he was playing with two guys that were going to be top 20 picks at receiver and a guy who's probably going to be an NFL starter day one at running back. So there is a, a downgrade in terms of the personnel that was around him and will be around him his first couple years in the NFL, unless he is with the Niners. What I think is going to be fascinating about this draft is because there are so many quarterbacks that are going to go early, you're going to see these other teams get amazing players at like pretty good spots. You know, like that's why the Dolphins traded back up into to get six because they knew that they're going to get Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, Kyle Pitts, whatever weapon they want is going to be there at six. Like probably like one of the best, the, the best offensive weapon is going to be there at six because like the Falcons could go quarterback and then the Bengals could go either offensive tackle or they could go Jamar Tate Chase, but either way, you get Devontae Smith or Kyle Pitts or or a weapon there for for Tua in a in an offense that desperately needs it, and that's why it's gonna be interesting to see too. Like then you get like the you know Denver, Dallas, the Giants, and Philly. Like there's gonna be some really good overall players that are gonna be available at those spots. And I even saw one draft where all of these wide receivers and all and Kyle Pitts and skill guys and quarterbacks were taken and the Chargers got Panay Sewell all the way down at 13 when he was like going to go number two overall for like the entire season this quarterback race and I get why they have to a lot of struggling franchises have to put such a high priority on it but it's also why the rich get richer it's why the Baltimore Ravens have sat there and picked in the the teens of the 20s forever and they get one of the three best defensive players in the draft every year. They they get the CJ Mosley in the you know at number eighteen, or they you know they get uh, Patrick Queen at number twenty eight. 
They get the guy that's the best player at their position because everybody else is sitting here trying to decipher and and have this feeding frenzy for specifically quarterbacks. And then all of a sudden, teams like your Chargers get the best offensive line prospects since Quentin Nelson and one of the better offensive line prospects in the last 10 years. It's crazy. Oh, that would be the dream. It would be the dream. Nuana's now on 290 ESPN Missoula, statewide television, SWX Montana. Sean Rainey from SWX joining me, Coulter Nuana's, here in studio Dual trivia, 361-3688. That's 361-3688. We have a dozen wings from the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill for you, the loyal listener, if you can answer a couple of trivia questions on the other side. Keep it right here. Give us a call, 361-3688, for your chance to answer some trivia and get a dozen wings from the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill back on Nuanas Now right after this. After a long couple of months, it's finally feeling like we're getting back to business as usual. But it's not the usual at all. At Missoula's Wingate, we are, as always, committed to giving you a relaxing stay at a great value. But we're also balancing the new guidelines, like maximum pool occupancies and increased disinfecting, to protect your health with a never-ending pledge to make you feel at home when you're not. If you find yourself on the road in the Missoula area, please consider staying with us at Missoula's Wingate. Welcome back to Nuanez Now. You're listening in on 1029 ESPN Missoula. Maybe you're watching in SWX Montana Television. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Coulter Nuanez. Sean Rainey from SWX Montana joining us like he does each and every Wednesday. It's time now for a Wing It Wednesday presented by the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill, home of the best hot wings anywhere in the city of Missoula. We have a dozen free hot wings for you, the listener. If you just give us a call, 361-3688. That's 361 361- 3688. All you got to do is answer two of my trivia questions. Sean will be your lifeline. I got two NCAA tournament trivia questions for you, as well as an NFL draft trivia question for you. So give us a call right now, 361-3688, for your chance to win a dozen wings from the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill. I, I want to circle back, Sean, while we wait to see if uh, anybody takes our challenge for our uh, trivia here. In what scenario do you think Mac Jones... I, I guess Mac Jones and Zach Wilson are the two most confusing to me because I do think that uh, Trey Lance has a lot of potential. I think there is a lot of scenarios in my mind where he could be very good. I also think Justin Fields probably has the lowest floor of any of these guys besides probably Trevor Lawrence. And I think that you know he's going to be good and he could be great. He might just be okay. But I don't think he's going to be a horrible bust unless he gets hurt. Hold this question. We will uh, we will circle back around. We go now to the Rangers Brothers RV phone line. Welcome in Zach to the show. Zach, what's going on? How's your Wednesday? Hey, it's a bus, and I'm just winging it. I love it. I love it. Well, we're going to hopefully send you to the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill with a dozen wings on us if you answer some trivia questions. We're doing this old school like we used to do back in the Tutel Nuanez days. I got three trivia questions for you. All you need to get is two correct, and you do have a lifeline in my good friend Sean Rainey. So, here we go. Trivia, trivia question number one. Baylor claimed the NCAA Men's Basketball Championship on Monday. That makes Baylor one of five schools in the NCAA Division I that have won both men's and women's basketball championships. That have won the NCAA tournament in both men's and women's basketball. There's four other championships, or four other schools that have won multiple, that have won championships in both men's and women's basketball. 
Can you name two of the four schools that have won championships in men's and women's basketball? So we got UConn for sure. UConn for sure. That's one. Oof, oof. What's my time limit? Well, you know, we'll, we'll help talk <laughs> you through it. And if you want to use your life on, you certainly right. can. All right. So let's think about let's let's think about good women's teams. Um, ooh, I'm just gonna wing it. Tennessee. It's wing it Wednesday. We're going Tennessee, baby. Unfortunately, Tennessee has not won a men's championship. They have won 11 women's championships, but no men's championships. But that's okay. We're going to let you have a couple more guesses here. Um, see, I kind of wanted to stick on the orange. This is an official one. I'm leaning Syracuse. No Syracuse. Or no. Okay. Um, gosh, dang. Uh, UCLA. UCLA has not won a women's championship either. Let's put this on pause. We'll circle back around. I'll let you think for a little bit longer, but let's go trivia question number two. You're not dead on trivia question number one. You get one more guess, but trivia question number All two. Right. This, this, this one's kind of hard. You might actually get a, might actually need some some Sean Rainey help on this one, but here, here you go. Okay. The Jacksonville Jaguars have had top three picks, either the second or third pick in the NFL draft five times. They've never had the number one overall pick, but they have had the number two overall pick three times, and they've had the number three overall pick twice. Can you name any of the players that the Jacksonville Jaguars drafted with their top three picks since the franchise uh, first came into existence back in 1995? Ooh. Hmm. Uh, Do I get a couple guesses here? You can have a couple of guesses. Three? Yeah, sure. All right. Um, Miles Jack? Miles Jack is actually a very good guess. Uh, Miles Jack was not one of the top three picks. He is Ooh. a first-round pick for the Jacksonville Jaguars, um, but he is not. Okay. He, I think he was uh, like right outside the top ten. Uh, what about Maurice Jones-Drew? Maurice Jones-Drew was a late first-round pick, but was not one of these top three picks either. I'll give you a hit. They had the number two pick in the 95 draft. They also had the number two pick in the 96 draft. Uh, They had the number uh, two pick in the 2013 draft, and they had the number three pick in 2014 and 2015. I'm a little more confident in my NFL than I am my uh, NCAA. And if you need need to use a lifeline, you certainly can. Sean can get you. Okay, I'm using a lifeline. Help me out, baby. All right, Sean. What do you got? I know of... How many do I need to get? Just one. Just one of these five. Oh, well, I know Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette is actually not correct because what? Jackson, he was pick, I think he's oh he the fourth God. pick. He what, the, I thought we were doing top no, five. No, t- t- top three picks. Excuse me. I'm going to give you that Dante one, though, Fowler. because he was uh, unsure. And Dante Fowler is correct. Dante Fowler was the number three pick in 2015. So both of those are correct. The other uh, top five picks that the Jacksonville Jaguars had, Tony Baselli was the number two pick in 1995, their first draft pick in, in franchise history. Kevin Hardy was the number two pick in 1996. What was Blake Bortles? We also had Blake Bortles at number okay. three in 2014. Jalen Ramsey was number five in 2016. So I thought we were doing top five. Uh, well, I, I should have yeah. de- defined it better for you. Justin Blackman, also another another top five pick mm. for the Jaguars. I think the fact that we're talking about Blake Bortles and uh, Justin Blackman yeah. and uh, Kevin Hardy is why the Jaguars are the Jaguars. That's why they've been stuck. Okay, Zach, so you're halfway home. You got one down. You got one to go. The, Stan- yeah. the Stanford Cardinal women's basketball team won the NCAA championship on Sunday. They beat Arizona 54-53. That was their first national championship in 30 years, 
marking the longest gap between championships in the history of basketball collegiately, both men's or women's. Can you name the coach who led Stanford to both the 1992 and 2021 national championships? She's been the coach at Stanford for the last 38, I think, 39 years. Holy cow. Um, dang, and I, I, I don't trust my lifeline at all. <laughs> I got you the Jags. <laughs> I know this one. This yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, it's like a Dutch name. Yeah. Is it, it is. too? It's like. Yep. Uh, Van Van uh, Van Deer. Van 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 Close enough. That's good enough for us, Zach. And, I, and we'll give you one more crack at the at the uh, the two schools. Just think, you got Baylor, you got UConn. One of the schools that yeah. has, has won men's and women's championships is the school we're talking about right now, where Tara Vanderveer is the coach. I was going to say Stanford earlier, but I didn't. Well, there you go. But I love the effort. Boom. Those are some really hard questions, and I appreciate it. So you are the winner of a dozen wings from the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill. Thanks so much for swinging by, Zach. We'll talk to you soon, but give your information to Reese, and uh, we'll get the Despo card to you in the mail. Thank you, Colter. This is the best show on radio, baby. Love it. Thanks, Zach. Talk to you soon, man. All right. Wednesday, presented by the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill. Great effort by Zach. Those were hard questions. For didn't, those didn't trust me. For those wondering, <laughs> for those wondering, the four, the five schools that have won men's and women's college basketball championships: North Carolina, Baylor, UConn, Stanford, and the this is the kicker. This is the hard one: Maryland, because mm. Maryland has won one each. I wasn't. I was. I wasn't sure if Notre Dame, but I was like, yeah, I don't. I don't think. I don't ever remember the men's. Winning right, Notre yeah. Dame has never won a men's championship. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's funny because you have like Tennessee that has won a million in the women's, but the men have never won. And then you have like Duke has won so many on the men's side, and the women have never won. So it is tough to invest in, in women's and men's basketball. Hour one of the books, hour two coming at you hot. Grizz football, they got a game on Saturday against Central Washington. We'll catch up with Chris Fisk, who's the head coach of Central Washington, right here on Nuanas Now, right after this. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org. 